Most of the major truck OEMs, along with some new players to the trucking industry, are developing and releasing electric vehicle options, EV options, as the market for all electric truck begins to grow. Air brakes and compressed air are still a critical function for electric vehicles, but the way air is produced and consumed is different with EVs. Hi, I'm Denise Rondini, and welcome to Truck Talk with Bendix. This podcast series will help you better understand key topics in the commercial trucking industry. Joining me today to talk about e-compressors is Rich Nagel, Director Marketing and Customer Solutions, Aftermarket and Air Supply at Bendix. Hi, Rich. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Denise. It's great to be back. Rich, perhaps we should start with a quick explanation of the breaking needs of EVs. Sure. And I think, you know, sometimes there's a misconception out there that electric trucks uh, don't use air brakes, but they do. And they still require air brakes for a lot of practical reasons. One, you know, air brakes provide a high level of safety. They're well understood. There's some regulatory considerations, right, that haven't changed for the air brake um, system, regardless of what type of a truck it's on. Um, You know, they're they're very well understood. They do provide redundancy. you know, fail-safe operation. The thing that is different is when you have electric motors for propulsion, you have also regenerative braking, which can be used to electronically slow down the vehicle too. So the air brake system is similar, but the demands on it are are uh, lesser than on a traditional um, internal combustion truck, right? So uh, from a system standpoint, it looks similar, but it is used less. There are probably less actuations, and um, some of the components are not under the same duty cycle on an EV. So there are some differences, but you still need compressed air. You still need a compressor, airlines, air dryers. So it's it's more similar um, than it is different. Okay, great. So air compressors on EVs are not hung off the engine, but rather are driven by independent motors. And EVs can use different styles of compressors. What types of compressors are used on EVs and how are they different? Yeah, so, you know, on an internal combustion engine, you typically have, you know, lots of horsepower. And, you know, even though the manufacturers, they're interested in, in losses and inefficiencies with electric vehicles and batteries, it's really critical. So, there are, there are a couple of considerations for the compressor side on an EV that are different um, from an internal combustion engine. Uh, some of the things obviously are efficiency at different operating speeds because when you drive the compressor with its own motor, you can operate um, really at, at infinite speed right on command, which, you know, the engine RPM varies too, but this is actually controlled. So you can overspeed, underspeed, depending on what you need. Um, there are a lot of different technologies today. They're all they're all recirculating, right? So they're all uh, require rotational motors, so some kind of a controlled motor. You'll see reciprocating compressors in the market. You'll see screw compressors. You'll see uh, in the future some vein type compressors, and then also uh, a scroll style compressor. They all have, you know, their pros and cons different costs, different reliability. One of the goals for electric vehicle manufacturers, you know, are to try to limit the amount of oil requirement because, you know, you don't really need oil to run electric motors, but you do need them in some cases and some styles of compressors. You mentioned screw compressors. Can you explain more about screw compressors and why Bendix is supplying them for EVs today? 
Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. You know, when the EV market started kind of rising up, and it happened pretty quickly across a lot of manufacturers, right? It was not just one OE, but you know, everybody wants to come to market. And in traditional manufacturing for trucks, right, we typically get pretty big volumes because you know market share take rates, they're pretty well understood. And we have a pretty good feel for what our particular OE is going to build, you know, five years down the road. EVs are a little bit of a wild card, right? We know the market's going to grow. We don't know exactly um, what's going to happen. But today, you know, we have a lot of what I would call pilot programs where people are testing out their EVs, fleets are, are testing them. And what the OEs wanted was something that was kind of off the shelf and and proven. And uh, our parent Conorbrems in Europe, they have been supplying these screw compressors for transit applications for several years. Um, and a screw compressor, you know, like right off the shelf does a lot of the things that are needed for EVs, right? And they were easy to integrate with electric motors. So that's really what we're supplying today. Not to say we're not looking at other options, but that has been really our quickest path to help these OEs commercialize these new vehicles. Okay, so have there been any real world use of these screw compressors and what lessons can we learn from them? One, screw compressors have been used in Europe on transit vehicles for a long time. So we have a lot of practical applications. you know, in terms of use, maintenance, uh, service cycles, kind of newer on um, commercial trucks, you know, say in North America. We do have some experience now over the last few years. We are learning a lot uh, on the practical side. So, you know, one of the things that we see, number one, the, the duty cycle on commercial vehicles is much lower than in some of the transit applications. We just don't require as much air. So that compressor isn't running as hard as it could be it's it you could probably almost say it's overbuilt a little bit for the application but you know better to be safe um you know than to be riding some some margin of errors we get going in this industry the, the other big thing you know screw compressors you've got metal to metal parts right the actual screw lobes that uh pressurize the fluid are are made of steel right in a steel housing you need very good lubrication so those compressors require an internal lubrication system because they can't just pull it off the truck's oil sump, right? Like we can on a internal combustion engine. We still have to deal with uh, humidity intakes, the effect of humidity in those steel chambers. If we don't maintain lubrication, you know, we can get oxidation. So those are really like on the screw side. That's what we're really working with on the builders is making sure that these compressors do get uh, run periodically, right? That they have a high quality synthetic oil, they get changed, all those things are important. So very few things in trucking don't need maintenance. So I'm, I'm assuming screw compressors are the same. Can you talk about the maintenance requirements for screw compressors? Yeah, and you know, the compressor itself is really robust, right? And, and even if you think about a traditional reciprocating compressor, um, you know, newer, newer compressors, they'll last a long time before they need to be uh, reworked. These screw compressors inherently, the, the mechanics of them are really uh, pretty robust, right? It, there are things like seals, rotary seals and bearings. They have a life like any other rotary device. Uh, I think, as I mentioned before, what's important with these screw compressors is that they do get regular service and there are service intervals for a synthetic oil change. So you have to drain the oil 
and you have to refill it. It's not engine oil, so we usually specify what type of a synthetic product it is. Um, if they are sitting for long periods, that can create some problems because if oil's not covering the internal chambers, right? If the if the air is moist, we can get some oxidation. So, like I said before, cycling the compressor is important. Um, and you know, and just basic sealing, right? You know, it's got it's got lubrication, and lubrication can leak. So sometimes I've seen um, seals or whatnot that get cut or they get overheated, right? It's like any other product that, that sometimes needs uh, a seal change up. But otherwise, I mean, they're, they're pretty robust devices. Okay, great. So these electronically driven compressors can require a lot of electric power. What are the implications of that? Yeah, so, I mean, you think about your typical engine today, you know, runs off of 12 volts, and some of those devices pull a fair amount of, of current, but uh, an air compressor, it draws a fair amount of power. I mean, it'll pull, you know, just using horsepower. A traditional compressor pulls, let's say, seven to 10 horsepower. Uh, a screw compressor can pull that much energy too, right? Usually we talk in terms of kilowatts. And depending on the architecture electrical system, you know, if you've got a low voltage system, 2448, versus, let's say, a, a high voltage, which is that 400, let's say, 650 volt you're going to pull a lot of current right with the um the lower voltage and it depends on on the motor design right and the windings and the electrical system that the oe is going with but you know when you have low voltage high current you usually have larger cables right you have a lot of electricity a lot of current i should say uh, running through those lines and whenever you have high um current you, you get some um you can get some interference on control lines, right? So it's always important that if you're running control lines, let's say bus type lines or signal lines close to power, right? That they're isolated and then the control lines are shielded and grounded properly. So you start to get into a lot of things that, you know, on the electrical side, grounding, shielding, insulation that uh, become more important, right? And just in terms of maintenance, you got to make sure that any stored energy is bled down, right? So of course, with any electric vehicle, um, you know, normally when you turn off the, uh, the, the vehicle, right, you need to bleed down the power so that the mechanic's not, you know, touching a live wire. So it's the same, same is true on the uh, compressor. So are there any downsides to electronically driven compressors? And if so, do you expect those to be mitigated? So we're, we're in the early days of, of EVs, right? And we've seen a pretty rapid scale but it's still like way below what, what we would build out for a traditional truck. And we'll see a little more every year, right? But so today the focus is on, give me a product that works, is proven. The price and some of the maintenance issues are secondary, right? I mean, everybody wants it to be reliable, but things like oil changes or, or running the compressor intermittently, if it's been sitting for a long time, People will do that in the early phases, right? They'll put up with maybe what you consider some inconveniences. The other thing is, you know, the screw compressors, it's a tank, right? It's really, it's really built for some heavy duty service, probably way beyond what um, sometimes we need on a traditional long haul. So there are some cost implications with not only the compressor, but the motor that drives it. And if we're using a, a permanent magnet AC type motor, right, or like a DC servo, those get to be expensive. A lot of those motors have integrated uh, drives. They have um, can communications. They have cooling. 
So the, the typical e-compressor package is much more expensive than you know what you buy today for your internal combustion engine. So cost is, is a big issue. There's some, some maintenance differences. I think we'll see as the scale grows, there's some other options in compressors. Um, I think as you apply scale to any product, right, you can take some costs down. But I think there are probably some fixed costs on the motor side and maybe on the component side that'll just be different than the traditional reciprocating compressors. So cost will always be an issue. The way you maintain it will be different, but it'll still do the job of delivering air and spinning at some RPM. So that doesn't change. I've been speaking with Rich Nagel, Director Marketing and Customer Solutions Aftermarket and Air Supply at Bendix. Rich, thanks for talking about air brakes and compressors and their role on electric vehicles. Thanks, Denise. Thanks for having me today. Subscribe to Truck Talk with Bendix on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play and discover how Bendix solutions can help you improve performance, increase safety, and lower your total cost of ownership. To learn more about Bendix products, visit knowledge-doc.com. That's knowledge-doc.com. You'll also find an archive of previous episodes of this podcast. I'm Denise Rondini. Thanks for listening to Truck Talk with Bendix.